Father Ian Bain Houston here at the Art of Living Well podcast. We're just taking an opportunity in this audio format to flesh out my ideas. So what I want to get into this week is the line from Ephesians. So I'm going to read part of the line and then um, I want to get into, it's controversial, so it's Ephesians chapter 5. Um, I'm going to go through all of it, but the, the controversial line is, so let's see, let's see. So we'll jump into verses 22 through 23, and then I'm going to flesh out. So it says, wives should be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of his wife, just as Christ is head of the church. He himself is the savior of the body. So obviously your feminists and people like this are going to freak out at this passion. They're going to say it's, it's outdated. It has nothing to offer us these days. We've moved on. We're about equality. And um, I, I don't want to say that everything that feminist has to offer is completely bad or that um, modern understandings of the relationship between men and women are completely flawed. But first of all, I would say one, we need to understand this in its original context and at least the way I'm reading it these days. And then what we could do is, what does it actually have to offer us even in our modern context? And I think it actually does have a lot to offer, particularly in a, a society such as America or, or perhaps Western civilization, where there's an understanding of equality between men and women, which I think overall is not an absolutely negative thing. So let's start off with, first of all, I think we got to get into is the larger context of the reading. So the first part is if we jump up to line 21, it says, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's this idea of being subordinate to one another. I'm not exactly sure what the connotations are in the Greek. I'm going to read it, this idea that of self don't. So one of the things, if we get into the Trinity, is this idea that the Father gives everything to the Son. He surrenders everything to the Son, and Jesus returns everything to the Father. And then that gift of self is the Holy Spirit. So one of the key features of Trinitarian love, of the relationship between God and God, is the complete gift of self, the complete surrender of self. So taking the ideas, I think one of the, the, the key things that we start to see immediately is that within its native context, this passage is actually a radically transformation of the idea of power and authority. So in the Roman culture, and I think even perhaps even a little bit in the Jewish culture, but in the, the, the world civilizations at the time, the father was a kind of absolute ruler of the household. So the father had absolute authority, particularly in Roman culture. And he's talking to a primarily probably Roman Christian, non-Jewish audience, I think. I'd have to double check with Ephesians. But at least we recognize that within the Catholic and the Christian church, the early church, that there was many folks who were not particularly Jewish who are coming to know the scriptures for the first time. So that, with that audience in mind, th- there's this idea of the Roman head of the father is that the father had absolute authority over his children and his wife and his slaves and his property. And all of them were kind of considered his property. He had the right to put to death, I believe, is what I've been told. I didn't research this thoroughly, so don't quote me 100% on it, but I'm pretty sure that the Roman father, that the head of the family, the pater familius, had the right to put to death or he had the right to ex- execute justice within his family. So th- the first thing is this radically transforms that. When we have an idea of Jesus Christ as the pattern of true authority, the Father's authority is not absolute. It's at the sake of service. So that's the first radical transformation that takes place in our understanding of authority. That authority is not for the sake of the ruler, 
but it's the sake of service, um, that people who've been given authority over others. So there's even a, a radical shift in how we understand leadership and how we understand management. So with understood within the context, I would say this actually paves the way for our modern understanding of equality. It may not be equality as we would understand it, but it would set the stage for a development in Western civilization that there's a certain sharing between the husband and wife, that the, the authority of the father is not absolute, which then leads to, over centuries, a reflection on what are the benefits of treating it like more of an equal partnership. So there's that. Also, so the, and, and the authority of the father is patterned off the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, I think then we can start to get into, well, what context? So we could say, okay, well, hey, that's great and all, that this scripture maybe led to our modern understanding of equality. But now that we have this modern understanding of equality, we can just get rid of this old-fashioned stuff. It doesn't really have anything to offer us um, in, our, in our contemporary context. And I would disagree with that as well. So what I would start to get into is let's look at the dynamics a little bit of, of married family. So I think there's obvious when people hear this passage, there's the obvious way that some men use it to their advantage to manipulate women. Um, and manipulate their wives. So they say, you know, I'm the head of the household. Normally it involves things like sex and money, basically, sex and money. So I can have sex whenever I want because I'm in charge and you have to do what I tell you. And I can have money whenever I want because I'm in charge and you have to do you have to do what I tell you. Okay, obviously that's not in the passage, right? So Jesus, that's not, that's not a Christ-like attitude, right? Christ doesn't say to the church, he doesn't say to people, I can do whatever the heck I want with you because I'm in charge and you have to serve my needs, right? So we recognize immediately in that first category, often men who have that attitude um, often tend to have mental illness or have sociopaths, narcissists, um, that dark triad. Um, and they also have deep areas of woundedness and control issues and they're just not healthy people in general. So let's set that aside. So there's there's your outliers of, of toxic men. Then what we can start to get into is normal or relatively in the middle range of an acceptable amount of dysfunction within a marriage. And, and every marriage has a certain amount of dysfunction, some more, some less. But let's get into a range where it's not an outlier, it's not extreme, but there's just a, a certain amount of dysfunction. Um, I'm not going to get into the dysfunction, but if we see the pattern in American society, which is, and people have pointed this out, which is, that women tend to make most of the decisions when it, as regards to the household. So, for example, women make most of the purchases of household goods. So, um, so they also control a lot of the situations with children because they're often the ones who are talking with teachers who are aware of what's going on with the children. Not always. I don't want to be completely stereotypical. But a lot of households I see, a lot of marriages I see, the women are the ones who make a majority of the decisions as relates to the daily household decisions. So within this context, one of the real dangers in a lot of these marriages in contemporary American society is that the man is completely left out of all decision making and is completely on the sideline. He just, he shows up, he works. And I, I don't know if there's any marriages that quite fit that stereotype, but I think there's a real possibility. So there can be an understanding that this passage can help women in our modern context is to include their husbands in decision making and to be trustful of some of their wisdom. Because, and so getting into why I think this could be incredibly helpful from a spiritual direction standpoint, and even from a leadership perspective, one of the dangers I see in myself as a leader, and I see in myself is making decisions on my own, 
which is not cooperating with others, being isolated. So thinking I have all of the answers and everybody else has to conform to my view. I think sometimes wives can do this in their marriages where they feel like they have all the answers, they have all the information, and they don't include their husband. And what I found as a leader, it's incredibly important, is to be other-centered. So what I'm trying to do as a leader is I'm trying to look for answers outside of myself. I'm trying to look for wisdom from different people who are guiding me. Now, ultimately, I have to choose and make a decision, but I'm constantly looking for that feedback loop. I'm looking for those conversations. And a lot of times, I like it when answers don't come specifically from me that there's a certain surrender when they come from sources outside of myself within the organization. So I'm trying to look for that gold within the organization. I think women, the danger in the household is that they feel like they have to make all the decisions or that they've been given a false narrative of feminism where they feel like they have to be empowered, that they can't rely on anybody else, that self-reliance. And the reality is, is we're made for relationships. So I would say, even though we may not completely agree with the idea that the man has power over a woman in a marriage, we can say that there's a wisdom in integrating the perspective of the husband in decision-making. And the same thing for the man as well. So we see this idea that men should be subordinate to their wives, which we heard in verse 22. Let me go back to it real quick. Just to be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. In an organization, even if you take the view that I'm the head of the household as a man and I have authority over my wife. Again, like me as a leader, I technically I have authority over ECU Newman and, and I have a limited authority at St. Peter's. But authority is best used at the sake of service, but also being open to the other, being open to the ideas that are going to come from the ground, being open to other inputs. When we try to make all the decisions by ourselves, that's when we get into trouble. So I think that this passage has a lot for us to reflect on and to offer us even if we take the understanding, a modern understanding of equality. So, oh, excuse me, burped there a little bit. This has been Father Ian Van Heusen, the Art of Living Well podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, subscribe, share, comment, help us out, help us spread the word. I hope you're enjoying these reflections. Uh, also, feel free to give feedback. Feel free to comment, even if you disagree. I love the disagreements. Um, of course, I just I ask that they be respectful, but But I I love, even if I can't respond to everything the way I love it, I, I always love that feedback. So thank you so much. This is Father Ian Van Heusen, our Living Well podcast. God bless.